looking forward to talking to you on this subject of psychedelics. And very briefly, my own kind of introduction to psychedelic as a tool for exploring consciousness was earlier happened through studying Stan Graf or Stanislav Graf, who you might have heard of, who was a psychotherapist and now he's in his uh, 80s and developed the holotropic breathwork. And before the 70s, um, before the war on drugs, he studied LSD meticulously. And I think he did about 3000 sessions of LSD on various patients and took copious notes and has written a lot of books. And at least in the West, I think he was, he's considered a pioneer in, in describing the various levels of consciousness and, and impacts and potentials of psychedelic therapy. And more recently, there is a huge resurgence. After all this war on drugs where everything was put under the rug, there is a resurgence now in uh, the use of psychedelics like psilocybin, LSD, MDMA, ayahuasca, and it's all over in pretty much many, many universities, lots of books being written, hundreds of research studies being written. So it's, it's quite an interesting time for our civilization and our culture here in the West to, to welcome that. And let's maybe get into that. I know that we have spoken in the past about 5-MeO-DMT, but yeah, let's begin with, uh, with your experience with, with psychedelic and we can take it any which way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I started very late due to uh, circumstances and my choice of spiritual path. At the beginning, I was aligned with this no substances, no drugs. And in Romania, there, there were no drugs. I mean, there was vodka, but there was no drugs, no, nothing. So I um, encountered drugs very late. I mean, like in my mid-30s. So I embarked on, uh, was open. I was open. Ayahuasca, even started smoking cigarettes marijuana then somehow as i was studying hakomi which we mentioned before hakomi is this awareness-based somatic psychotherapy modality and it's a wonderful modality cutting-edge psychotherapeutical modality it's kind of almost becoming mainstream now so when i was studying that some of my peers there they were well versed in using mdma or mushroom for therapeutical purposes for processing trauma and wounds and stuff like that so some of my peers they introduced me to that and i had some very intentional sessions which was ideal basically my exposure to mdma and mushroom was the first times were in intentional therapeutical journeys rather than in a club or with alcohol or with all kind of people so so i was i was blown away uh, by them in some way it brought a lot of pain uh, a lot of hidden repressed uh, trauma information attachment wound abandonment rejection this kind of it brought this kind of it's called somatic information pain body that i guess is trapped in uh, in our cells in our organs that it's so buried so somehow all my spiritual practices and things they didn't get to that before with the tools I had. So that brought certain uh, very vulnerable young age feelings and states. And then I, I embarked upon some kind of systematic work on myself with these specialized trustworthy guides who also were, they were working with kind of indigenous tribes as well as they were therapeutically trauma-informed. But it's interesting, sorry, I just wanted to say that yeah. you were mentioning MDMA and I think prior to the 70s, MDMA was used as um, marriage counseling. 
and it was pretty successful. That's how MDMA, MDMA came on the scene. Yeah, that's what my study was that it came, some psychotherapists discovered that using a certain amount of MDMA would help in very severe cases of trauma, like war trauma, your body's being exploded in front of you, or rape, gang rape, intense, traumatic uh, situations that in usual talk therapy, it's hard to go there and it's hard to stay there. And so somehow, especially MDMA evokes in the client or in the person a certain kind of different state of consciousness, which is also more, there's more love or heart or somehow, so that that information from the past can arise and one can bear it. One can bear it and one can process it without getting dysregulated, without freaking out. Yeah, so that was the beginning. And the, the therapist, as far as I knew, he was so surprised by the research. And then he shared it to other therapists and then it grew and then it leaked out into the Dallas rave scene. <laughs> and then it was targeted by the war on drugs. So anyway, coming back to this. Yeah, so I had, I, I have uh, gradually, I as I had these experiences, first ayahuasca, then MDMA, mushroom, LSD, let's say, yeah, and then DMT and 5-MeO-DMT. I could see that they all somehow, in my case, me as a recipient, and for me, all of them, they were for really intentional, spiritual healing intention. My intention was not to escape or to just have some fun or to go to a party. So there were very intentional journeys in an intentional container with a guide often like lying down, blindfolded, going inside, meditation first, processing. So yeah, they were all, it seemed like they had the effect that will open. They, they all have some slightly different benefit or functions from my experiential experience, but definitely open some aspects of the subconscious and helped. I work with, you know, with people in the regular state and there's this mechanism of repression. In order to survive, we needed to adapt to the, how our parents were. And so for many of us, it wasn't okay to be angry. It wasn't okay to be sad. It wasn't okay to be afraid. It wasn't okay to be authentic. It wasn't okay to be joyful. And then, so there's some early on imprints of mechanism of repression. Repression is being different than suppression, meaning that I don't even know that it's shut down. Uh, suppression is, let's say my boss pisses me off in a meeting and I choose not to say anything. You know, so I'm conscious of what I'm doing. Repression is that I don't even know that there's a huge amount of grief and huge amount of fear that is there, pushed down. I don't even know I have it. It's for, for 30 years. And then it goes into some kind of autoimmune disorder or some cancer or something. So what I noticed that the substances, they will bring that in, in a way, little by little, different aspects, sometimes without thoughts, just the actual pain body state, sometimes with thoughts. And it helped because in my understanding, there's this pain body it's hard to 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 be okay to be to enjoy the present to 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 even enjoy the benefits if we had some type of awakening like we realize our true nature or had glimpses of it we think we are good but from my experience as long as there's a lot of pain body or this deficiency beliefs unworthy unlovable uh, not safe can't express i have to hide traumas unprocessed stuff as long as these are in the body it's hard to enjoy life. So there's part of the healing or awakening is to discharge that. 
so that information is hidden come to consciousness and it's seen there's a release of feelings there's a seeing of a belief which is seen as faulty and there's like a it's a diminishing of that suffering yeah that's quite quite fascinating and, and earlier we did talk about it from a psychotherapy and trauma informed view and um, yeah, it's amazing how I see in my own experience as well that these hidden traumas, as you said, or repressed stuff. In the West, we don't have so much maps, but in a lot of older traditions, there are these tremendous maps of stuff that's buried and it's already assumed in that culture, the culture itself. There are cultures that are already informed about these repressions of karma or reincarnation, and they have various models or modalities to at least acknowledge that. I say that in comparison to the West, where oftentimes there isn't any model to, even as you said, it's not okay for us to be authentic in front of our parents or outside, uh, when we go outside to express our fears and anger and resentment. And more and more, I see that in, in cultures like India or other ancient cultures, if you just start yelling or have kind of like a nervous breakdown, it's not even considered a nervous breakdown. It's like, it's okay to, to do that. Yeah. And it's considered a good thing often. So do you think that these traumas that often we work on in normal spiritual modalities, such as meditation and such, do you think that they can come to bear? Or would you say that psychedelics really provide a unique opportunity to bring them to the surface? Personally, I find that meditation and self-inquiry or this, let's say, non-dual, from the non-dual direct path or even, let's say, Buddhist Zen path, these this exercises and, and contemplations, they are not designed for dealing with trauma. And although incidentally or accidentally, they might release certain layers of it, they are not even going there. Yeah, they are not even going there. I've seen this in myself. I've seen this by attending many satsangs. Um, this uh, kind of satsangs as being these uh, spiritual encounters with realized masters. Also in Hakomi uh, training, I've done about four years, uh, two years, and then I assisted the training. There were many Zen, Zen priests, Zen monks, people, meditators coming who were gung-ho on Buddha nature. And many of them had this realization, they were sitting there for a long time, and then they started shaking and having all kinds of things. And they realized they need to do some other type of work that is more skilled and effective targeting trauma. So now at the same time, you know, there are a huge amount of benefits of meditation and, and healthy spirituality and this kind of stuff. So I'm not saying, hey, don't do that. I'm, I'm still meditating and doing guided meditation with my therapy clients each time. You know, there, there's other benefits for that to prepare for processing trauma, to prepare ability to witness, to... But in terms of the actual trauma, trauma is hidden, trauma is repressed. So it needs uh, specialized skills to even bring it up. And then it needs specialized skills to, to process it in a tolerable way. And it, it's hard. People are busy. You come to a therapist for one hour, uh, you, you know, then you have to leave. It's, it's hard in our days like that. So um, I like actually what you're, some of the stuff that you're saying, because it is a two, it seems like it's a, what you're indicating is that it's a two pronged approach is that all the meditative practices and the yogas can prepare one to hold deeper experiences and face deeper, deeper trauma. Yes. 
I've been also, as I was earlier before the podcast, as you we were talking, I was mentioning that I've been reading this book or work of this religious uh, theologian and philosopher, Christopher Bosch, who has written a book called LST and the Mind of the Universe. And he talks about some of the perils of psychedelics and the benefits of combining traditional practice with exploring medicine. And one of the aspects is what you said, is preparing yourself to experience deeper states. But he also talks about the subtle body and the, the idea of vibration, that at higher vibrations, the body has to be able to hold that information and vibration. And if it can't, then it will get re-traumatized or even damaged. And um, yeah, anyway, so I just, just kind of want, want yeah. to say that that's, that's my experience as well. Yeah, so you threw me a bunch of uh, balls here, so I want to uh, answer them. Um, to, take anyone. ball here. Uh, so yeah, um, let's see here. I find indeed that the use of certain medicines which are done, supervised by somebody that has done uh, their work and they are trained, not some wannabe shaman or some new agey wannabe hippie shaman or, or some corrupt shaman from the Amazon. So not that. So it's important who you do it with, somebody who is trained and who has done their work it doesn't have to be perfect, doesn't have to be Jesus Christ, but just honest, you know, doing his work. So with somebody like that and in an intentional container, I find it that is actually helpful and a shortcut towards liberating ourselves from certain aspect of the pain body. Liberating not by transcending it, but by feeling it deeply. And then that wave spends itself and then is on the other side. I feel okay and I, I have some new insights. Could you explain what the pain, pain body is for people who might not know? Yeah. Uh, pain body is a term that Eckhart Tolle coined with the power of now. Uh, and I, I love this term. He says it's a, we have an accumulation of emotional suffering of different layers. First, there's a childhood suffering of our own childhood suffering, wounds and hurts and fears and now on top of that all, all these traumas then after trauma what happens is that it's not just oh there was shocking and i'm okay it was more like no it was shocking and now i believe that i'm not safe or i believe that i'm unlovable so there's added layer of belief on top of the trauma which is painful that is a painful thought now that this is more pain body now they say that we, accumulate, we, we inherit some of their uh, emotional unresolved suffering of our parents and all of our ancestors together with the resilience, of course, and all the qualities. Usually they don't speak about that, but it's worth to be said. Uh, also, the pain body of a certain historical geographical location, let's say, uh, let's say with the Ukraine now and in the West, uh, in the East they say it's more pain body in the former Soviet, in all that Eastern Bloc, Auschwitz, Germany, Israel, or in America, you know, the genocide of the American Indians and oppression and with African-American. So all of these are also part of the pain body. And then, you know, if we go to, let's say, karmic pain body, which it's hard to verify, but, you know, trust trustworthy sources talk about it. So pain from other lifetime, unresolved stuff, this creates like a storm cloud. 
as uh, our teacher Francis Lucille, mm -hmm. a party pooper. The, it's a party pooper. The, the life being a party and a pain body is a party pooper. Also, you know, since we talk about Francis, any aspect of the pain body has a sense of separation in it. It's like, oh, I'm me uh, alone, me unworthy, me broken. So the pain body has this strong flavor of I'm a separate individual, abandoned, left, you know. So that is the veil, as they call in Sufis, that they're hard to see the oneness, hard to see the oneness if there's a lot of this separate me pain inside. That's about the pain body. Um, Thank you for explaining that. And I think that gives us a big context as we talk about other psychedelics. You know, there is a lot of plant medicines out there. And as I was saying earlier, maybe people who are listening to this, they, they know this already, that there are many cultures who are very informed with these, particularly Latin American countries and countries of the Amazon have been working with plant medicines for thousands upon thousands of years. And, and that, that's a mystery itself as to how they came to discover these plants and have this connection with nature where there was this kind of oneness and they were working with with these plants from eras gone by. Do you have any thoughts on the differences in different plant medicines, whether it's ayahuasca or MDMA, LSD, 5-MeO-DMT? And we do want to get to 5-MeO-DMT, but I just wanted to see if you see any differences in utilities. Yeah. Also, another ball you threw me before, which I guess is connected to, to what you're talking now. So there's I discovered with this sub medicines is that there is an aspect of it goes deep in and pulls out some of your pain. So you have less of it. Uh, so which is some kind of personal subconscious going in your personal constellation, which might not be so personal, but, and then there's the other aspect of transcendental seeing somehow it almost like it opens the inner eye. And then we can have glimpses of like that everything is connected or that everything is alive, that there is love, that, that I am love, consciousness and love are one and the same, or consciousness and God are one and the same, Atman is Brahman, or this some transcendental like, oh yeah, I realized my mother or, you know, my grandmother, this happened and this happened and it's like clear seeing some of this. So the some processing and some deep seeing of a bigger picture. I noticed that there is some common element in these medicines, this, this aspect. Before I go into different flavors, I also want to say this, um, you know, Gurdjieff on the fourth way path, he was saying that, you know, I, I, I trust him, makes sense to me what he says. It makes sense to use these medicines, as I said, supervised intentionally in the context of a spiritual path and then in the meaning that there is spiritual work or healing work happening before and after. <laughs> so the so-called integration, then one will milk much more benefit from it. Also, if there's no spiritual work, meditation work, healing work happening, then what will happen in the journey may be really random, may be really intense and may be forgotten completely because the state of consciousness between the state in the sub in the medicine and the normal state is such a big gap it's hard to retain information so definitely although i'm aware it wasn't my case but many people they are young some psychedelics that begins like to open their eye and to see oh my god this is not quite like that so there's some opening so i, I totally respect that i've seen these people 
even wise master their first book was lsd or something mm -hmm. <laughs> you know but definitely there are other wise teachers around that they say any abuse or doing it for escaping doing it for boredom doing it too often can have a lot of de depletion of of certain vital energies or you know if one is relying i, I knew people they're like doing like many 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 ayahuascas many many for a long time i don't know i mean i am not especially in this but there, there are information that then may deplete things or you rely on spiritual revelation all the time for the outside so coming back to your question yeah it seems like there are differences yeah absolutely Mihai, i i wanted to say one of the things you just said is i think that the west culture is so the use of psychedelics or psychedelic medicine is so new here that often there is not a context and other traditions or civilizations where this has been for a long time people do not do this frequently it's a very sacred thing that's done it's done in a certain context in a certain healing environment and at the same time that's not the only modality because particularly this is part yeah. of the shamanic traditions and there are a lot of other tools and this is used very seldom so anyways yeah in in, in my own experience i have seen this at some point where i started to see elements of addiction in these psychedelic communities oftentimes seeing people who were doing it repetitively like um as a bungee jumping as experience hunting yeah. and initially i didn't understand that i even saw that with things like dmt and i found it quite surprising how that could even be possible <laughs> because for me it was about philosophical inquiry and it was so yeah. intense that i could not as you said you know you were talking about integration and integration is such a big theme i mean some of the experiences i had years ago are still continually being revisited yeah. and integrated and seen over and over again. Uh, yeah. I don't know if integration ever ends, but it's sometimes I feel like it's equally or if more important than actual initial experience. Yeah. And, you know, I think even this word integration, I don't know what people mean by that, or maybe, oh yeah, integration, meaning that you talk afterwards with someone or something, which is, is good. But from my experience that one gets, one gets a certain homework, so then, you know, take that homework and bring it to your teacher or therapist or something or your own practice and keep going there. So, yeah, I guess so that you make it your own rather than that was just some state that left. You Absolutely. are now making it your own. Yeah. I think that's such a good point that you bring forward is to, to clarify what integration means and uh, at times, I have found that it's maybe not the best thing to talk about your experience, especially immediately after it happens. Yeah. yeah. And but sometimes it might be might actually be useful. Depends on the experience. It could be a very personal thing. But that the interpretation of that experience later on, I think it results in these are just words that we are using, but it results in such a deep wiring, perhaps of the subtle body and the way that you perceive. Yeah. And it really is homework. Sometimes there are specific actions that one is very clear that one has to take in one's life that might be painful, but until you take them, you can't get to the next level. Yeah. Or at times I feel like you're really trying to clarify what does this really mean? And that's where your spiritual guides and your spiritual teachers and therapists and friends come in handy to continuously revise 
the interpretation. And sometimes there can be more than one. That's sometimes I've experienced that. Yeah. You have multiple interpretations that are useful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, going back to what you are saying, like the different flavors or different benefits, I'm trying to answer that. At the same time, it just hit me that I think depends where we are at in our spiritual process. The medicine will affect differently where we are at with our practice, where we are at with the intention. So it's not like a cookie cutter. So, okay. So MDMA, also I, I noticed that the, the people, they have, can have different presentations, meaning that they take the same, same amount and they have similar intention in the similar facilitation. And yeah, so let's see. MDMA, I would say that it is, or in these traditions, that they use MDMA on the ground is that they, it's more like an entry level to processing trauma. And if somebody has a lot of uh, relational traumas, and traumas are usually relational, I mean, it can be that, that there is an earthquake and it's not relational, but like there's in relation to someone. So this deep hurt, abuse, uh, rape, loss, deep, prolonged developmental trauma in childhood so stuff like that so that helps to bring that up in a way that is tolerable and it's interesting for some people it can bring that event it's almost like a wise grandma it shows you the event and then it's like hey but it wasn't quite how you interpreted it it doesn't mean that you are okay it's gonna be okay and somehow there's like a uh, and then you know being done completely with that a spinning unresolved thing for other people so in these cases for people like that there's less emotional content it's almost it's like some almost like anesthesia of what's happening some other people what i notice people have so-called let's say relational wounds this kind of loss orphanage abandonment that 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 seems to what seems to happen is that it brings a certain field of love for everybody, uh, a certain field of uh, like like love and and deep uh, energy, let's say, and and then that evokes also from our subconscious everything that is not aligned with love, so it brings blocks to love. So I notice with some people, it brings deep feelings, deep, so they may cry for hours or something. So. I say this, this is not the usual use of MDMA that you go to a club and you are, so that's a, how you do it. It changes everything because I have never done it like that. I even tried to do it like that as for fun after I've done it therapeutically. I said, okay, well, it's new year. I will just take a little bit. It's nice. Come on. I was just there, people dancing and I would be like, oh, I need to, I need to meditate. I need to, go inside. I need to sit. Something is coming up. So once you do it, um, for good reasons it can't do the same thing for fun so yeah and uh, actually Mihai, uh, sorry to interrupt you but you you raised this really good point uh which is a deep insight i think of these two things that you mentioned one is to revisit a trauma and the old grandma is there and you reinterpret it and it's not a problem and all this energy that was stuck as earlier you were saying energy that's repressed and you don't even know it's repressed for the past 30 years yeah all of a sudden now you have this more fuel to do stuff in your life, to live your life. Yeah. yeah. And the other aspect that you're mentioning is that instead of revisiting something that was repressed, you have a glimpse of deep love and something that was not in alignment with that love is now taken care of without actually bringing stuff up and seeing that. And 
No, it brings it up. It brings it up too. I mean, both options that you described, also we have no control. The option that let's say there's a field of love and then something comes up, the some uh, uh, unpleasant feeling or something or some unpleasant sensation, which is something that's not aligned with the feel of love, is pushed to the surface. But one can still see what that is sooner or later. And also I was saying that one doesn't have a choice, like, oh, I think I will do the variation of trauma processing, or, you know, today I will do more like transcendental seeing of the beauty of God. doesn't work like that. You're just taking the medicine and whatever. It seems like there's interaction between the medicine and our consciousness. So I. I trust that somehow yes. and it brings whatever I need to see at this point, whatever is most beneficial for me to see at this point. So maybe let me check with you in psychedelics. I can totally see when you're going deep and maybe that is true of our spiritual journeys in general, that whether that we have to see our trauma or we are being informed by the compass of love and everything that is not in alignment perhaps get rejected if we can go deep into it. Would you say that natural coming of trauma where you say we don't have a choice is also true of our spiritual journey or spiritual practices? Because some people would say, okay, focus more on love and don't go digging out trying to find, find the trauma. I'm talking about when psychedelics are not used. What, yeah. what would be your opinions on that, if any? Yeah, it's such a such pointer to me, it's, it reinforces repression and delays the resolution of certain hidden stuff. Yeah, and I, I think that also without use of psychedelics, also we don't have a choice if the trauma comes or if it doesn't come. I think if the trauma is strong enough, it will come sooner or later in the 30s, in the 40s or something. What what seems that the, the psychedelic medicines they do, they temporarily lift the lid which in the normal state of consciousness the lid is very strong and keep the lid on and some of our spiritual techniques maybe they help to keep the lid on unwittingly especially these practices where i'm witnessing things come and go comes and it goes or even practices like okay now just now a thought come like to snuff away content to be into just uh, empty just now that one especially contributes to things the one with welcoming and allowing uh, thoughts feelings sensation it's much more useful uh, in in, it's helpful but the problem with that is that uh, some of the things that's not going to come so i'm just of course maybe if i go to a, like a two week retreat with francis lucille and i'm there and i'm there and i'm there sooner or later they will come <laughs> i think some of them yeah i think this is this is a great point and i i agree with you but there there is a subtle thing that i've noticed with certain practices if they're devotional and certain tantric practices of trying to get support of certain archetypes or goddesses and stuff I think they do, they seem to build a container in which when this stuff uh, surfaces, you have more lubrication and grace yes. to, and it's, it's kind of magical, not that I understand it, but I think there is tremendous value in having a container of grace and love in which uh, you're supported. And of course, courage is another one. There are these different yes. archetypes that one can take support of, yes. to, but you still have to go through and fight your battles. Yes, I mean, we touched upon this, I think this serious application, spiritual application, 
with, with the courage to face unpleasantness. So this spiritual warriorness, yeah, that that I can, I have then it 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 help, it means that I have a stronger container. I can endure unpleasant sensation resurfacing. I can take it. I trust myself. I trust consciousness. I I trust. So I can, uh, I'm more resourced. They call it in psychotherapy. I'm more resourced and awareness or presence is the ultimate resource mm. for people who can access that. Uh, some people can't access that. So then the therapist can be as a resource or, you know, think of your grandma holding your hand or I am here, listen to my voice and or uh, uh, holding hand or something can be a resource. But if people can access presence, reliably then there's the ultimate resource but let's go just briefly because i think we don't have yes yes i was gonna say i mean this is great and it seems like there are so many layers to it so let's get into something that with the little time we have maybe we'll have to come back Um, one of the differences I, i i have some idea how to go about it okay please i would say that one parameter one can look at the different these medicines is that the the degree of the range of how little or how little control I have over the experience. So let's say in, in, in the MA space, they say that you still have the ego, the, the sense of me, it's still there, you still have your mind, you can still, uh, there is some make sense. The room still likes a, looks like a room. And so there's more, let's say there's more ego control there. So it's more, let's say, easier for beginners. Now with mushroom, okay, now with mushroom is very different if one takes a little bit of mushroom and goes in the forest. That's different. That's beautiful. And I'm talking now about bigger doses, yeah? Bigger doses right. for, for, for therapeutical. Uh, you know. So for bigger doses, definitely mushroom is a little bit more unpredictable. And it's, you have less control, you have less of the mind, the mind may not work, and you can't look outside. So it's just all goes inside. And it it can be more for for an ego that is used to being in control and having the mind, this will create a, a lot of distress and fear for some people and, and freak out. So uh, let's say, mushroom will be, let's say more advanced. However, it, it, it again, it has the two aspects of pulling out from the recesses of the subconscious pain body and transcendental peace. And I appreciate it's completely purely natural. So somehow from the creator, for some reason, they put it here. Ayahuasca. Yeah, ayahuasca, it also comes from a serious tradition. And if it's it's done from an integral shaman, so there's all this transmission and the songs and the container and the different styles of ayahuasca. You know, I've done it when I was 30 and many times and I've done it when I was older. So I could see wherever I was at, it taught them in different ways. The beginning was more like random images and and feelings and I I couldn't quite make sense of it. However, she was showing me something that was right and much later I could make sense of it. Now I am much more able to witness and, and allow feelings. I noticed that it, it brings up any sense of separation, any sense of non-integrity, any sense of something's not aligned with my path. It brings it up to feel it. 
and then also again transcendental insights uh, understanding the bigger picture understanding the bigger picture of my life on the world on god you know realizing that my mother my grandmother and god are one and the same you know it's hard to have this uh, when you're going about the street you know <laughs>